Well, I had an interview with a wonderful lady. Her name is Sandra Sutton Fong, and she leads, uh, well, she led a team and delivered a $1 billion of profit for Ford Motor Company's iconic SUV portfolio. And uh, recently, she's just been um, named Marketing General Manager for Electric Vehicles for Ford Motor Company, which is fantastic and a really cool lady to talk to. And Sandra and I talked about various things, and really the title of the episode is really called How Are You Projecting as a Leader? In other words, how are you showing up, or how are you projecting, how are you, how are you coming across to other people as well, which is really interesting. But we talked about the importance of global networks, and she feels that's going to be very key going forward about your ability to network, not only locally, but also globally as well. And then the other thing is that she shared some key elements that she feels that leaders need to have today. And so you, you need to check out the episode to understand what that is. And then, of course, I love this piece, being accountable, be accountable with disruption. And so as we go through disruption, how can you be a more accountable or how can you be accountable full stop? Some really cool stuff that she shared. And three key words towards the end as well around building, connecting and trust as well. And so check out this. This is a fantastic interview and uh, thoroughly enjoyed having a conversation with Sandra. So listeners, sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. I have a wonderful guest with me today. Her name is Sandra Sutton-Fong. Sandra, a massive welcome to you. Thank you so much. Happy to be here, Dennis. Awesome. Now, for our listeners' sake, uh, whereabouts in the world are you today? Well, I am in Novi, Michigan, which is uh, southeast Michigan, very close to Detroit, uh, it is about 7 p.m. at night here, so it's already very dark outside, and Christmas lights are blazing all down my street from every neighbor. <laughs> yeah, so you're in the holiday season, of course, and um, you, you've had uh, all of that underway with that as well, which is good. And of course, as you say, it is darker because in your part of the world, it is winter, and in my part of the world, we're going into summer. And so it's longer days here now and lighter as well, which is pretty good. Now, I've given the audience, the audience, the listeners, a little bit of an update or a background on you and your your background and sort of give an introduction there. But I'd love you to share a little bit more about your background. What would you like to share? Sure. I'd love to uh, give you a little bit more insight into me. I am from Georgia, born and raised, uh, South Georgia, small town with only 5,000 people. So they're probably still missing me today. My town, uh, you know, I, I attended university in Georgia at Clark Atlanta University, which is a historically black college and university. My undergrad and grad degrees are in mathematics. I joined Ford directly out of school. So all 25 years have been at one company, uh, but it doesn't feel that way because I've worked in four countries. So I've worked in Japan for three years, China for six Thailand for two, and then obviously the remainder of that in the U.S. So it's been a really, really great career in that way. 
personally, I'm married. I have a nine-year-old daughter. I don't recommend having children late in life because you will be tired all the time, but um, she is the joy of my life. And um, I've been married for 16 years to a wonderful uh, man that people think because he's uh, Vietnamese, I think I picked him up overseas, but I actually met him here in Dearborn and Regent Court at Ford. So uh, the story isn't as bad, isn't as crazy as uh, some people think it would be. Right. Oh, wow. That sounds really cool. Uh, now, Ford Motor Company, that's awesome. And I understand today you, you're the marketing general manager for electric vehicles. And so that's that'd be a really, really cool area to be in within the in the automobile industry. Yeah, it's a fascinating area to be in at this time. I will tell you that every day I'm learning something new. It's, uh, you know, I, I said recently to uh, one of my team members that I was the perfect candidate for this job because I was driving around in my expedition, which I love. But for those of you who are familiar with an expedition, it's a really, really big SUV. And I was not convinced yet on the uh, EV path. And then this job came along and it was interesting and exciting. And I said, you know, let me learn more. And I am totally converted. I drive a Mustang Mach-E. I'm uh, fascinated every day by the technology in the vehicle, by the savings and the fact that I actually haven't been to a gas station in four months and I'm paying less than $50 a month for gas limit for charging, which is a huge savings versus what I was paying before. But more importantly, the impact that Ford Motor Company is making to the environment with zero emission vehicles and how we're changing lives even in the states of Kentucky and Tennessee by putting battery electric plants there and providing jobs to people locally. So it's just been a fascinating last five, six months that I've been in this role. Obviously, my career has spent, I've spent a large amount of time in product marketing and brand marketing and um, basically in Sorry, I'm uh, losing my train of thought here. And also in analytics, but this, I will say, has been the most fun so far in my career. Oh, I think it's a really interesting area. And, you know, you're, I also see from your bio, too, that you, you know, from Ford Motor Company, but also you've been featured in magazines and so forth, like Forbes, Fortune, Authority Magazine, and other global uh, recognized leadership publications and podcasts. And, of course, this podcast now, which is pretty good. And so I think that you're already quite keen in helping reduce the learning curve by sharing how leaders can accelerate their results and get more results going forward. And we're going to talk more about leadership a little bit later on as well. But you know what? I I actually started my career in uh, working for a Ford dealership here in New Zealand. And I understand that you've been to New Zealand before. You did some filming in Christchurch. Is that right? I did. You've done your homework. Um, I was actually working in China and uh, we were filming an ad for the Mondeo. And uh, the Mondeo was, and I mean, obviously we sold it um, all across the world. It was called the Fusion here in the U.S. But we were filming it and um, we decided to go to Christchurch. And we did an amazing ad. This is in China when our tagline was make every day exciting. So it was a phenomenal ad that was done by our team in uh, Asia, our advertising team, and uh, we had a lot of fun with it. And um, it made me realize that I absolutely must come back to New Zealand because I didn't get enough of just seeing Christchurch. It was so beautiful. I want to see both the North and the South Island and uh, really enjoy the full experience. 
Oh, that's good. You know, around Christmas time is a really good time too because it's summer here. But even late January into early February is when we have some really, really good weather months. And so some of you might want to think about. Or if you like skiing as well, we've got that as well. So it's not, you know, it's pretty cool. You can go skiing, you can go swimming. You choose. Well, I already have a master plan. I've, uh, I'm a huge tennis fan and I've, I've been to Wimbledon, the French Open, and obviously the U.S. Open. I have not been to the Australian Open. I've walked Ooh, by yeah. Rod Labor arena but i have not actually attended an australian open so my plan is to do australia new zealand together with the australian open i have it i have it in the plan i just need to now implement the plan <laughs> that's good because the week the week before the maybe two or three weeks before the australian open opens uh we have one a competition here in new zealand called the asb tennis classic okay and so some of those big top players come here and they play here first before they go into australia so like a little bit of a warm-up so, yeah, you could do all of that and have fun as well and, yeah, and then go and watch some tennis in Australia. That would be pretty cool as well. And you know what? We've got electric vehicles here too. So um, you can utilize I, that I, as well. I, I just signed. So, yeah, I know you do, and I, I think we're sending some uh, Mustang Mach-Eds there uh, very soon as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe I should talk to you guys about getting a sponsorship with part of the podcast and then driving around a Ford vehicle here. That would be pretty cool. There you go. Put you on the spot. Anything's hey, um, possible. <laughs> that's that's cool. There you go, listeners. You heard it here live. <laughs> it's all good. Sandra, the thing here I wanted to ask you was, you know, you've you've got an extensive background. You said twenty five years in the company and so forth, and and it's been one company. But you know, I spent almost that amount as well into Hewlett Packard and EDS before that, and it all became one company. But you know, you get to do different kind of roles as well. Right. For you, how how did you get into leadership? Well, my first role in leadership within the company, I would say, I was applying for a role in uh, what was then called Global Consumer Insights. I think we would call it marketing analytics today. And um, it was my first time applying for a supervisor role for a company. Very nervous. Um, it was actually an interesting time within the company. And what I learned in that experience was how important it is to have mentors and advocates uh, advocating for you because my career is non-traditional. Um, as I share it with you, my undergrad and grad are in mathematics. When I joined Ford, I actually did a stint in IT as well as product development and marketing plans and brand development. So I didn't take the traditional path. And then uh, after I finished the, those three, I then went to Japan for two years, for three years, and uh, did a pro program management role. So when I came back and decided I wanted to be a marketer when I grew up, it was important to to have a, a few advocates and um, also support as I transitioned to marketing plan and to a global analytics role. And I was responsible for Asia Pacific, so I had an opportunity once again to support Australia, New Zealand. And all of Asia Pacific that Ford defined as the time, which included 13 countries. And so I traveled to about seven or eight of them trying to make sure that we actually knew what our business, how our business was tracking. Quite honestly, we didn't have a brand tracking that was global in Asia Pacific. So I implemented one. We had GQRS, which was a quality survey, but we didn't have it in every market. So I added it to every market. And then we had customer viewpoint, which is a way for us to understand customer sentiment about our vehicles and our brand. And again, um, I had an opportunity to implement that across Asia Pacific. So 
from that perspective, I feel like I've been working with the teams in Australia and New Zealand for the last about 20 years. And so feels really good to hear your accent. You're hearing mine. You don't hear an accent, but I do. <laughs> and, uh, and it's um, my one of my fondest memories is my boss, Nigel Harris, who was uh, a great buddy of mine, an advocate, and who was also from New Zealand. And uh, so it feels like coming home again to be on this podcast today. Awesome. Oh, that's really cool. I've actually got three questions actually from just what you've been sharing <laughs> just now. When you say you didn't take the traditional role or the tr- traditional path, I could say, some people wonder about that at times. Do I stick to marketing? Do I stick to, you know, like IT? Do I stick to sales, delivery? What are, you, what are your thoughts about people not sticking to the tr- traditional pathway and maybe doing something else? What's, why is that so important or is there some pros and cons in it? Well, I think there are pros and cons, right? You know, one of the things that is uh, very different about my career is, as I mentioned to you early on, is that I grew up in a small farming town. And and quite honestly, I think some people would consider it, you know, a little bit below the poverty, poverty line. I didn't think we were poor, but now when I look at, you know, how much money my mother was making and other, you know, aspects of life, we were. And so there were just certain things that I didn't know. So I actually took the jobs that were interesting to me. And I would say 90% of the time, that's good. There's a 10% of the time where you're like, maybe I should have had a mentor and advocate to talk to who would have said, if your goal is to get to X level by X amount of time, you have to take this, this, and this check. So I'm a huge fan of um, whenever I talk to young people today, I say, get get a mentor, someone who can help you understand what it takes to be successful in this company and to get to the level that you want to be. I was lucky because the experiences that were interesting to me were also interesting to the company. You know, it was not normal for someone after two years in the company to go to Japan for three years on an international assignment. But that opportunity came up and I said yes, because it was interesting. I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> I just thought it would be interesting to learn about the Japanese culture, how they get things done and how we collaborate. And uh, that was a great opportunity for me. But it also created the situation of people not knowing how to describe me when they dis- when they looked at my my CV and tried to understand where does she actually belong within Ford Motor Company because I'd done multiple things. And, and I think that's a really good thing too in the situation whereby you will have more all-rounder kind of experience rather than just in one area. So then you could probably run a large part of the business or all of the business because you do have that kind of experience. And I think that's that's a good thing. So the other two questions you, you've mentioned again just now, and that and one of them is you mentioned mentors, but actually and, and advocates. It's the advocates piece that I'm really quite keen to understand, which is also related to mentoring. You know, the importance of having an advocate or yeah. having one or two sponsors within the organization. Mm-hmm. Is it really important for somebody to have that? And then how do you find those kind of people? Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely important. I think very early in your career, it's important for you to have a mentor, just someone to help you understand how to navigate the politics, how to make decisions, as I mentioned earlier. But as you start delivering for the company and and start creating a name for yourself, it's really important to start developing advocates. And advocates are people 
who will break down barriers that inevitably exist in large corporations. So you may be qualified for a role and someone else is qualified for a role. And, and the difference may be the advocate in the room for you. I am a firm yep. believer that no one who ha- is extremely ex- successful in life has gotten there without advocacy. It doesn't mean yep. that they aren't smart, capable, or deserve the role, but it is the advocacy that makes a difference in uh, many situations within the company. Yeah. The way I look at it, listeners, is that I, what Sandra is just saying, you know, and I think it's perfect, is the fact that you know you have a sponsor, an advocate, somebody who's going to fly your flag. So if they're sitting in a meeting and they're talking about, well, we need to fill this role or we need to look for this person, the other ones are going to say, hey, so-and-so, they'll be the right person for that kind of role or I think it would be really cool if we give them the opportunity. So I think that is very, very good. And you mentioned it just before about early in your career, find the mentor as you start to build your, your I call it the brand, within the brand. So when you, your brand, your brand, growing that brand, within the organization, it's important to have those advocates and uh, to take you to other levels too. So it's Absolutely. Good. And, you know, again, since you're a Kiwi, I'm, I'm going to keep giving Kiwi love, which is I remember being in China and um, I was pregnant with my daughter and my, my mentor, or my mentor, I call him my mentor, my advocate at the time, he knew I was going to have to take a break. There was a job, there was a job promotion he thought I was the right person for the role. And he knew that I would be leaving maybe three months in to take time off for the baby, which would be, you know, three months, um, three months that I was taking. And he still chose me for that role. And to me, that is true advocacy. Again, because there there could have been many people in the room saying, why choose her when we know we're going to lose her for three months? And um, Nigel Harris, I'm going to give Nigel credit, but Nigel was a, a huge advocate for me and um, someone who I, I, you know, I do, who did raise the flag for me. And I'm, I, I just want to provide uh, proper credit to him now. Yeah, cool. The third area is around you taking opportunities. Sounds like you put your hand up for these opportunities when they came along. So for our listeners' sake, just, you know, from them listening to it. If they do have opportunities coming here uh, in front of them and they're going like, oh, I'm not sure whether I should or shouldn't, should they be putting their hand up for opportunities? Should they be looking for these opportunities? Yeah, I, I think they should. Um, you know, I've been asked that question many times. I said, Sandra, you went to China twice, Japan and Thailand. Why did you keep saying yes? And, uh, you know, my answer is because I wanted to continue to learn and grow, right? That. China is the largest market and automotive market in the world. And if you're in automotive, you'd be crazy not to work there, want to work there. Thailand, I, you know, obviously from a Ford perspective, as you guys know, whether it's with Everest or a Ranger and our products that we were delivering again, and then, you know, you can get some great massages there too. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, Japan, which was my first role, it was life changing because from a perspective of learning how the Asia culture operates, how it transforms in terms of uh, when we talk about leadership, watching the leadership dynamics and how decisions were made and when there were quality issues, how quality issues were addressed and quite honestly, how to get your point of view across in a way that is respectful and um, it and you know creating relationships that were new and different 
in a way that I never had before. Um, I, you know, I'll tell you, three years later, I was standing at the train station, getting ready to leave to come back to the U.S. And there are seven or eight Japanese people, both male and female, you know, waving me off and, um, you know, people who attended my wedding. So it wasn't just about the work. It was about the friendships and the relationships and the culture as well. Uh, but, and you can't beat that. Those relationships that you build, you're building friends for life and relationships for life. And that's that's really important. And I keep saying to people, keep networking, keep networking. It's really important. Um, for you. Is, I, w- I would even say, you know, as we talk about leadership and leadership changing, global networks are going to be so key. And as we start developing these relationships, sometimes something unique will happen. Say Tesla did something in China. I worked in China for six years. I have a group of people I can tap into. I can't read this article because it's in Chinese. Can you tell me, you know, what is Tesla doing? And I would never have been able to do that had I not said yes in 2006, the first time to China. And so I think it's super important for us to have these networks globally in order to be effective leaders. Cool. So who's your favorite leader and and, and why? In other words, this person could be from alive or from history. Who is their favorite leader? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I would have to say, um, for me, MLK uh, Jr. is is my favorite leader. When you said um, alive or or deceased, it's just because he was so revolutionary in his message and his process and um, the way he was able to bring both white and black people across the line to support a cause that was you know, really about basic human rights and humanity, and that he suffered and gave so much, including his life for it. But the passion, the desire, the fact that he kept getting up after being knocked down so many times, so many of us would just say, you know what, not worth it. Tired of being kicked, tired of being, you know, um, threatened, my family's threatened. Uh, But he kept pursuing the dream. And, um, you know, I, I actually had a chance to take my daughter to Washington, D.C. last week to look at his uh, statue and his memorial and to read some of the quotes and really to take in what it meant to to be him. And um, it is just so amazing that that type of person existed in our lifetime, especially when you look at the discourse today and the lack of a clear leader, I would say who has those type of values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MLK, for our listeners, is Martin Luther King? Oh, sorry, yes. Martin Luther King Jr. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I, I knew that's where you were going. Um, just I thought I would just do that for the listeners' sake. But yeah, it's really good and fantastic leader. If you were sitting with him on a park bench, having a coffee together, would there be one question that you would love to ask him? I would love to ask him about you know, his speech about uh, having a dream uh, and what was the thought behind developing it. And again, why keep going? What was the what was the impetus to keep going when there were so many reasons to stop? <laughs> I Because that's really how you feel as a leader sometimes within, say, a company or a corporation when you're pushing for a specific point of view. And there are so many reasons where you're like, you know, I know my boss already wants to do A and I'm pushing for B. 
Uh, you have to have courage to keep pushing for B if you have rationale. It doesn't mean that, you know, we won't go with A, but at least you've had a chance to have your day in court. And um, for better or worse, that's been my philosophy at times in my career. Just keep it. You know, I always tell my team it's important to share your point of view, even if it's not one that's taken, because it does open up the dialogue for additional additional thoughts and um, ideas. And so I just think that's an important lesson for all of us. Sure is. And I think that too many leaders are sitting back and not saying enough or they're not offering up enough and they need to. And I think it's a very good point that you just um, said there. Now, the show here is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that title, that statement, what does it mean for you? Well, I I just think it's true. Leadership is changing. It's becoming more collaborative. It's becoming more people-oriented. As a leader, we're required to be more open, more engaging with with the people who we lead. And something that I find fascinating is, you know, emotional intelligence and self-awareness you know, are key styles of leadership now that you must have key key elements of leadership that weren't so critical <laughs> maybe 25 years ago when I started at the company. But now yeah. people want to be heard. They want to, you know, re- they want you to, as a leader, to understand their point of view, even if you choose to go a different way. And I, I think that's a very important. And as a leader, you have to know how are you projecting yourself? Are you projecting strength? Are you projecting empathy? You know, is the team on board with you? I just think it's extremely important for us to recognize COVID has changed so much. And I don't think there's any turning back, quite honestly. Mm, yeah, it has. It's affected a lot, man. It's changing a lot. And those who aren't getting on board, well, they're going to get left behind and become irrelevant and people are going to look at them as a leader going forward. So it's important that they do. Exactly. Now, you and I are living in a very fast world and we're seeing things changing all the time. Even if you think about the vehicle industry and EVs and electric vehicles and so forth, with technology driving a lot of it, data, social, business, fast, fast, fast. When I think about that, what makes, in your opinion, what makes a leader successful today in that fast-paced, ever-changing world? You know, I think leaders have to first recognize who their high-performing employees are. And um, in a world that is so fast-changing, you have to be prepared to reskill and upskill them because otherwise they start to feel obsolete and you won't get the best out of them. So I always start with people and the relationships and making sure they have what they need to be successful. So developing them, inspiring others. Um, you know, my team mm. just asked the other day, you know, I asked them, do we want to sponsor a family for Christmas? Because we are all blessed with so much and there are so many who have so little. So it's not just inspiration in the work setting, but it's as a whole person. And I and I want to make sure we continue to do those types of things to to show a little bit of humanity in the work that we do. I think leaders have to think critically. We have to communicate clearly. And most importantly, we have to create accountability. I was on the LinkedIn the other day and it, it talked about the worst way to destroy a team is to allow someone who's disruptive to not be held accountable for that disruption. And a, 
that's a key. That's key for me and my leadership style. Like if you're not delivering or creating some type of chaos within the team, you know, I want to address it and make sure our employees are able to to move ahead effectively. But being collaborative, having diverse networks, inspiring others, you know, leading through that change, those are the things that are going to be necessary for this uh, next wave of leadership, I would say. Yeah, excellent. I've actually got a program called Leading Through Change, and I'm glad you you mentioned it. It's um, you even know, but um, it, it's true because we do need to lead through change. One is to go through change ourselves, but also to lead others through the change too. Really important. And I like what you say there about leaders needing to be accountable with disruption. So whoever it is and being disruptive, so forth, it, there has to be some accountability with it too. So it can't mm-hmm. just happen and and then that's it. Good luck. But um, yeah, very important. Now, you and I have been talking through the lenses or we've been talking through about leadership and leaders and so forth. If we were changing to change our lens or change gears right now and talk from the employee's perspective, how has their expectations of leaders changed? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think employees, they they want to be, if you think, if I think about when I started at the company as this young person, you know, I was really quiet a lot because I was here to listen and learn. Today, as young people are coming into the company, they want to share their point of view. They want to be heard. It goes back to this idea of, you know, as a leader having to change in order to make sure that we are empathetic and that we are very self-aware. But part of that empathy is being able to allow a voice to our employees to make sure that they have what they need in terms of our flexibility of our plot policies, whether it's our work options, remote work, and as I mentioned earlier, to keep reskilling and upskilling. One thing that I've I love about this new generation that is coming in is that one, they care so deeply about their work. Um, I found, I know, you know, it's always easy to just use throwaway comments of, oh, they're not as lazy or as focused, but I don't see that at all. all. What I see is if they're only going to work 10 hours, they're going to give me the best 10 hours they have, but they also want a life outside of work. And quite honestly, shouldn't we all want that? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yep. um, For many years, it's this badge of honor to, you know, work 16 hours a day and say, oh, I work 16 hours a day. But this new generation gets it. They'll give you their all in a certain time frame. And then they want this time to take care of themselves, their family, um, their well-being. And it's important as a leader that we recognize that and we're able to get that amazing 10 hours (laughs) <laughs> or whatever the number is. I'm not saying that every person uh, works just 10 hours. I'm just saying whatever that time frame is, they're giving you their all. And um, and I love it about them. I have quite a few millennials on my team and I absolutely adore them and, and, and adore working with them because it's amazing the output that I'm, I'm getting from them in the time that they're working during the day. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, because I think that you're right. I mean, they they want some strong leadership to follow, but they also want to have their opinion, as you said, which I, I think is great, is around having their voice heard. They want to be able to have it heard and be listened to. And then the other one would be how they can contribute. Once again, I think you're mentioning it a few times, contributing, collaboration, communities. And that's what we're responsible for, for building, is around all those things, yeah. Absolutely. 
Sandra, if you were to get at your crystal ball now, think about the future, if I can think of that way, and um, where do you see leadership being in five years? You know, a couple of the things I about mentioned already, and it's funny, I was reading this London Business School article the other day, and I'm like, you got it, you got it. That's exactly what I mean, which is the diverse networks. I think we're, you know, we, we're becoming more and more global. I'm talking to you, you're in New Zealand, and I'm in cold Michigan right now, but just having the diverse networks to be able to dive into points of view, systems, processes, cultures, um, being able to culture shape. And what I say about that, because I find it fascinating right now, even within my own company at Ford, is, you know, when we made the announcement that we were setting up the Model E business and the Ford Blue business, with that comes some culture shaping, right? And you get, yeah. it's not just doing what we've done the last 119 years. You have to be a leader that is able to inspire, to shape and develop a new culture. And with that culture shaping is lessons on leadership, people, growth. And, um, and to me, that's super important. Um, as I talked about collaboration, you have to be able to collaborate with different teams. No one person has the, all the answers. Again, very different from early in my career where everything was going to the big boss for the final decision. You know, it really is a conversation of, of point of views across leaders and you have to collaborate. Yes, there's still that DRI, that direct responsible individual, but he's not going off into a corner and making it as he or she, I should say are not going off into a corner making decisions on their own. They are they are collaborating. And then I would just say connecting, building those connections of trust and engagement across the teams and employees. Uh, because if you can't connect with someone, it's very difficult to build great things or products or services or experiences. You have to be able to, um, there has to be some level of empathy across the aisle and uh, some level of connection to do that. Excellent. Sandra, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. If our listeners wanted to get hold of you, where, where should they go? Yeah, at any time. I, I am available on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn profile is my name, Sandra Sutton Fong. Uh, I can be reached through that uh, medium anytime. Excellent. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining me. There you go, listeners. Another wonderful episode on the Leadership is Changing podcast. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 